unscripted, genuine, and sometimes silly. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, good morning. Great to have your company on this Wednesday. Give us a call. Let me know what's on your mind. 13 12 69 is my telephone number. It is Feb 17. If you want to send me an email, MP in the morning at 2SM, supernetwork.com. And of course, the text number is there as well for you at 0458 049 209. Well, what a day yesterday was. Uh, we spoke to the New South Wales opposition leader, Jody McKay, early in the morning, and I could sense that there was going to be some kind of orchestrated attack on her. I mean, I'm hearing all sorts of weird and fanciful um, allegations that people in federal Labor want her gone. Absolute rubbish. Absolute total rubbish. Uh, The deflection units were out in force yesterday, ensuring that, well, uh, what's been happening in Canberra wouldn't tarnish the government as much as what some would have liked it not to. Well, I'm sorry it has. (laughs) Doesn't matter. Um, The deflection and the distraction units will continue doing what they do, particularly down the road from us, but that's okay. Uh, We'll continue to try and cover the issues as balanced and as fair, fairly as we as we can. Uh, look, there's no doubt that the New South Wales opposition leader, Jody McKay, probably has learned a bit of a lesson. And from now on, I would imagine that her office will double-check and triple-check their procedures to ensure that, well, she's not open again to these kinds of allegations and the smear, the utter smear campaign that was launched against her yesterday by a number of bullies in the media. I didn't notice much conversation at all about the issue in Canberra on the other talkback station here in Sydney. It it was all, let's get Jodie McKay. Jodie wasn't the biggest story yesterday. The biggest story around the country continues to be, whether or not, in my opinion anyway, whether or not... The Prime Minister of this country and some of his senior ministers have attempted to cover up a serious allegation of rape in Parliament House. And a crucial dispute has erupted over the allegations of the rape in Parliament House after the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, said his office was only told of the events last week. A claim at odds with statements from former staffer Brittany Higgins. Well, I'm sorry. Uh, I would believe Miss Higgins before I believe the Prime Minister going on Scott Morrison's track record. Mr Morrison said phone records and other files showed his principal private secretary, Yaron Finkelstein, did not call Miss Higgins late last year as she had claimed... The conflicting accounts came after Mr Morrison apologised to Miss Higgins for the government's failure to help her enough with the trauma of the events as he vowed to change the culture of Parliament on the treatment of women. Well, it's too little too late, Scott Morrison. Too little too late. 
And the Prime Minister denied having a don't-ask-don't-tell policy about harassment and aired his frustration with Defence Minister Linda Reynolds, who knew of the rape allegation, but she did not tell him. Well, then Linda Reynolds should go. We got all these people yesterday (laughs) calling for the resignation of the New South Wales opposition leader, Jodie McKay. At least Jodie would have most likely, knowing the person that I know she is, a person with a great deal of dignity and certainly uh, somebody with integrity, at least Jodie would have alerted if she was in Defence Minister Linda Reynolds' position, she would have alerted the Prime Minister of what had happened. Of course there's a don't ask, don't tell policy within the federal government. And I'm sorry (laughs) to be as blunt as I absolutely can, they've got a women problem. They have a major women problem. Look at what happened last year. Mr Tudge, Christian Porter, and they're all up there yesterday being so high and mighty about, you know, how they're now, after the fact, going to support this young woman. We know the story. Miss Higgins said she was raped by a colleague in Senator Reynolds' ministerial office where they both worked in the early hours of Saturday, March 23, 2019. Miss Higgins, who left the government last month, said the Prime Minister's fixer, Mr Finkelstein, uh, this bloke, I mean, how on earth is he meant to counsel somebody who's been through that alleged trauma? Anyway... Miss Higgins, who left the government last month, said the Prime Minister's fixer, Mr Finkelstein, had been broadly in proximity to the matter in the days after the alleged rape, almost like ticking a box. She also said Mr Finkelstein made a strained sort of check-in about the matter and that similar calls happened to me kind of pretty regularly. Yeah, well, they particularly happened around the time when the ABC Four Corners investigation was about to wear into the harassment of women, a program that went to wear last November. And of course we know what happened from that program. Serious questions were asked about the integrity and the morals of a number of senior government MPs. Anyway, uh, there is uh, much more to come on this, I am sure, and we'll play some of the audio back of what was said yesterday. But... (laughs) The real kicker for me, and I couldn't believe I was hearing it, I honestly, I don't know who, I mean, I know Scott Morrison has an empathy advisor who at taxpayer expense of around $190,000 a year isn't worth, well, a brass razoo to drag out the Jen and the kids line yesterday. Well, I'm sorry, enough's enough. You know, the Prime Minister does that from time to time. He brings out the family card and brings out that, well, I spoke to Jen last night and Jen assures me that rape is wrong kind of thing. I mean, for God's sake. Really? Did it take your wife to tell you this? Anyway, 13 12 69, the telephone number, if you would like to have your say on this or any other issue this morning... Alrighty, um, now we're going to catch up with a couple of regulars today on the program. Julian Hill MP. Julian, 
has done some really good work. Australia's global performance falling behind. And I've got it here, uh, this research paper, which is absolutely incredible. Really is. Assessing our nation's well-being and progress after seven years of Liberal government, referencing reputable data, global rankings and research. The report, collated by Julian Hill MP, Federal Labor member for Bruce, brings together publicly available, reputable data and global rankings of key measures of Australia's progress and well-being, drawing heavily on research by the Commonwealth Parliamentary Library. Now, at the end of the day, the conclusion isn't very good that we are unfortunately falling behind here in Australia under the current government on a number of levels. After seven years of Liberal Party government, we are going backwards and slipping behind countries which once envied us and looked on us as an example of a healthy, innovative democracy. So when Scott Morrison asks, how good is Australia? The answer is clear, not good enough. Australia is going backwards under the Liberals and Australians are being left behind and we deserve better. Anyway, we'll go through some of this report this morning with Julian Hill. Helen Dalton, our another, another regular who joins us now each and every Wednesday. Helen's going to drop by the studio again today, which will be lovely. Uh, she basically has a good old crack at ICAC and the funding model around it. In, in fact, she wants to introduce a bill to state parliament to independently fund ICAC, so it's not dependent on the whims of the state government, whoever it is at the time, on providing funding. I mean, if you think about it, you've got a state government at the moment in New South Wales in particular that's a little on the nose. We know that there have been some issues with alleged corruption, pork-barrelling of public funds. Now, the organisation that is supposed to look into all of this, the Independent Commission Against Corruption, is solely dependent on the whims of the Premier and the current-day government on its funding. Well, if you're trying to hide stuff, and if you're trying to, I guess, you know, divert attention away from pork-barrelling and other issues, well, then, of course, you're not going to throw a stack of money at the one investigative department that's going to look into it, are you? Anyway, 13, 12, 69 to have you say on that. Marcus Paul in the morning. Podcast Marcus Paul in the morning at any time. Go to 2sm.com.au and click the show page. Alrighty, for our listeners in Sydney today, let's have a look at the weather for you. Partly cloudy, medium chance of a shower, tops of 26 degrees. The central tablelands today, partly cloudy. Bit of fog this morning, tops of 22. And for stations sticking with us on the mid-north coast, partly cloudy, high chance of showers around... Coffs Harbour and Port Macquarie and tops of 25 degrees. Good morning and welcome to a Wednesday. It's Marcus Paul in the morning, 13, 12, 69 is our number. Yeah, Climby Fisher and love changes everything. No love between the National Rugby League and Israel Folau at the moment. 
Uh, the NRL have rejected a face-to-face meeting with Izzy. And good on him. No place in the game for Bigots. 25 minutes after 5, 13, 12, 69, the telephone number if you would like to have you say. Uh, police are still continuing to investigate that public place shooting at Auburn that happened on Monday just after 8 o'clock uh, when um, it's alleged that shots were fired into a townhouse complex just behind Auburn Hospital. We know what happened. Unfortunately, we had a, uh, a nurse injured by a ricocheting bullet. Uh, and look, again... There are some major concerns that we have a, well, a gang-related problem happening around Sydney's inner west, around Auburn and places elsewhere, uh, with feuding families of a Middle Eastern background who are involved in organised crime and, and at the moment it would appear going tit for tat, exchanging gunfire. We might try and speak to the police minister or somebody about this, Justin, this morning, just to see where they are with this investigation, because I would be very concerned living in these areas about where the next shooting was coming from. Meanwhile, an 11-year-old boy has been seriously injured after falling five storeys to the ground. The boy fell from the rooftop of an apartment building in Waterloo at around 3.30 yesterday. Uh, The little fella suffered a broken leg and internal injuries, and police are now investigating. Meanwhile, a woman will face court after being arrested following a brawl in central West New South Wales. Up to 20 people were involved in the melee in Alcaringa Street, Dubbo, which happened just a couple of nights ago, or in fact last night. A group of people armed with cricket bats, golf clubs and rocks confronted the driver of an SUV. Police were called and a 48-year-old woman was arrested after the incident. Nice stuff in suburban Dubbo. News next at 5.30. Unscripted, genuine and sometimes silly. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, 25 minutes away from six. Great to have you company on this Wednesday. It is the 17th day of February. Give us a call. Let us know what's on your mind. The open line is there for you all the time. 13 12 69. MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com for your emails. And for the early birds, if you want to send us a text, you can do that. 0458 049 209. Early one here. Um, Yes, they're up early. The narcs. Marcus, your labour bias is showing nice and early this morning as per usual. Well, I'll say this uh, to the texter who hasn't bothered to leave uh, their details. Jody McKay provided a letter, a cover letter, asking that letters from Hillsong Catholic Church and Uniting Church be considered in a tribunal matter. Nothing more, nothing less. It's normal practice from a member of parliament. Meantime, a tribunal run by alleged sexual harasser Christian Porter claimed the cover letter supported the man. And, of course, all the LNP media hacks jumped on it yesterday. I mean, they even rolled in a bloke who spent $36,000 on flights down to Tasmania. Like it was, you know, money's confetti, Australian taxpayer dollars, 
just there to spend it. Your free will, Mr Dutton. Peter Dutton was even rolled out yesterday. I mean, at the end of the day, Jody Mackay, the same honest Jody who initiated a New South Wales Independent Commission Against Corruption that took down 12 MPs, including her own treasurer, after attempts to bribe her. Come on. And people are calling Jody's integrity into question. It's a baseless smear campaign. And it does appear timed to distract from what is the third, the third alleged sexual assault by a Liberal staffer in recent years. So to my texter, who's having a crack, you know, that's fine. Next time I'd probably prefer you rang and we can talk about it. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Alrighty, uh, this email coming through now from Lynn, MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Hi Marcus, you forgot to mention the long face pause when talking and the teared up eyes when mentioning Jen and the girls yesterday by the Prime Minister. When he knows he may be in a bit of trouble, he's trying to gain some support from the public. It was cringeworthy. A Prime Minister should know how serious rape is and not have to be told by his wife. Regards, Lynn. Well, you're absolutely right, Lynn. In fact, you're 100% right. Anyway, uh, look, at the end of the day, I think it'll become a police matter if it's not already. And hopefully they can get to the bottom of it. Because at the end of the day, that's what it should be. That's what it should have been from the very outset, rather than this young woman feel fearful of actually getting the support that she required from her employer, which happened to be the Australian government. Good morning to you all. Podcast Marcus Paul in the morning at any time. Go to 2sm.com.au and click the show page. All right, I see the New South Wales Nurses and Midwives Association has welcomed the state government's long-awaited release of its final report into hospital security, but fears it won't be enough unless additional nurses are employed. Uh, Their acting General Secretary, Judith Kaiser said many of the measures outlined in the final report were already current policies, but they had not been applied or enforced to better protect staff or patients and increased clinical staffing should be a part of the solution. Why are we seeing a theme here? We are seeing a theme here. And it all comes down to staffing. Uh, Now, the Midwives Association say that we've highlighted before just how normalised acts of verbal and physical violence have become for nurses and midwives going about their work in our public hospitals. The government has committed to adopting these additional measures, but they haven't prioritised the need to ensure our hospitals and health facilities are staffed appropriately, particularly in some of our regional sites. In rural and regional areas, our nursing staff are regularly put at risk, and this is often compounded by short staffing. We agree there is a need for more hospital security across the state. But security personnel cannot be expected to provide the clinical care being sought by patients coming through the front door. Additional violence prevention and management training, as well as refresher courses, are welcome measures. But you still need the presence of clinical nursing staff to reduce incidents or help to de-escalate situations. 
extra security is important. But it's not the only solution that is required. It's not going to help improve the triaging of patients or reduce waiting times in our emergency departments. The right number and skill mix of nursing staff is essential, as well as proper support for staff to report incidents when they occur. Unless the government is prepared to acknowledge this, we fear it will be some time before incidents of violence and aggression toward hospital staff is significantly reduced. And the Nurses and Midwives Association of New South Wales say they need the government to support nurses and midwives by implementing safe staffing that can be achieved by mandating nurse-to-patient ratios throughout New South Wales. I mean, Victoria and Queensland both have mandated nurse-to-patient ratios in their public health systems. So New South Wales now needs to step up and do the same. Give me a call, 13 12 69, the telephone number, if you would like to have your say. Uh, here we go. Note coming through from Ryan this morning. All right, Marcus, uh, you're doing an incredible job by holding our elected politicians to account. Don't listen to those who throw around the left and right arguments. Being a journalist is about reporting the truth and the facts without worrying whose toes you're going to step on. You're keeping people informed and educated and you're ensuring that the public knows where our taxpayers' money is going. People need to stop being so aligned to any one party and start trying to understand that both parties have lost their way. And the people have the power to pressure them into doing the right thing. We should expect better from our elected officials and they should care about us. And frankly, they should be afraid of us and the media. As someone who normally hates talkback radio, as it has always felt like, uh, let's have a look here, as it has always felt like it didn't address real issues without having a biased spin, I'm hopeful that more journalists like yourself will continue to speak, seek the truth. Epic work, mate, and keep on doing what you're doing. Thanks, Ryan. Well, thank you, Ryan. It's a really nice note to get at this early stage of the program, and I greatly appreciate it. If you want to send us a direct message on our social media, just go to Marcus Paul in the Morning on Facebook. All the news and your views. Marcus Paul in the Morning. and genuine talk on the radio? Then stick with us. Marcus Paul in the morning. There's been a total, in my opinion, a total breakdown of what should occur after a young woman has been allegedly sexually assaulted. She's an incredibly brave young woman, Marcus, and Brittany Higgins' uh, story is, a, is a, a really shocking one and, and speaks to the importance of having safe workplaces everywhere. Marcus Paul in the morning. New South Wales opposition leader Jodie McKay joins us exclusively on the program this morning. Apparently what has happened is that uh, on the tribunal website there's been a, a letter which accompanied uh, a number of documents from churches that was never addressed to the tribunal that has been characterised as letter support. The letter itself is not attached so all it says is Jodie McKay letter of support. It is categorically not that. So I'm just so angry that the government uh, would seek to do this. This is what they do. It's dirt flinging and and mud raking. Get up. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, 12 to 6. Now we know that the first lot of the COVID-19 vaccine jabs are now literally days away. About time. Uh, last year, as we know, the Treasurer, Josh Frydenberg, said that the state government's economic lockdown was costing the economy $4 billion a week. 
That is that state governments, plural, economic lockdowns were costing us four billion bucks a week. So uh, yesterday, Andrew Lee MP said it stands to reason that the Morrison government's months of vaccine delays must be costing us billions too. That's the economic point of view on it. But what about from the public? Well, results are in for the biggest national survey to date to gauge just how us Australians feel about the COVID-19 vaccine. Of 4,000 people questioned by the Department of Health, 64% said they will definitely be taking the vaccine. 27% were unsure and 9% definitely wouldn't. Almost one in 10. All right, so less than 10% of Australians uh, apparently are anti-vax or for whatever other reason. The top three concerns are about the long-term side effects. So what are people worried about? Well, long-term side effects, that the vaccines have been developed too quickly and about allergic reactions. It all comes as the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine received approval by Australia's regulatory body a day after the first shipment of Pfizer vaccines arrived in the country. The Therapeutic Goods Administration is only the second regulator in the world to grant a full conditional approval, and it has complete confidence in the vaccine. I guess the question is, will you be taking it? 13 12 69, the telephone number. I know Craig Kelly won't. But at least we'll be spared his BS over the next week or so from his COVID-19, you know, conspiracy theories because he's been banned again on Facebook. It's like Christmas all over again. It's 10 to 6. Give me a call. Let me know what's on your mind. 13 12 69, the telephone number. Cloudy, showery for Sydney today. Tops of 26 degrees. Huey Lewis in the news, stuck with you. Marcus Paul in the morning at 6 to 6 on the open line, 13, 12, 69. Stan, good morning, mate. Yeah, good morning, Marcus. You're doing a good job there, matey. Thank you. Uh, yeah, just a little reference with, with uh, the situation with uh, Mr Morrison and this um, uh, Brittany Higgins. Uh, years ago, uh, there was an MP from South Australia named Jamie Briggs. Uh, do you remember the case? Uh, yeah, vaguely, yes. Yeah, vaguely. Well, if you look into it, mate, uh, he'd done a bit of a situation over there in Singapore, something with a staffer. Okay. Look, again, um, I don't like uh, going back and say and and being comparable. Uh, I mean, if that is yes, I do recall it, and I do recall it received a a fair bit of media attention, as have other issues, Christian Porter and. And Alan Tudge, etc. After that, four yeah, Barnaby, Barnaby Joyce. Barnaby Joyce, absolutely. Um, but and the thing is, um, but Marcus, sorry to cut in, but the right. thing is, surely uh, doctors and teachers, if there's anything happens with the students, whether it's a bruise or whatever, yep. they are automatically mandatory. They have to report to the police. Here in Linda Reynolds' case, and all the staffers there, things happened. There was a breach. The, the, the parliament was breached. Security. Yep. And yep. there's no reporting to anyone. Two years later on, the Prime Minister finds out, 18 months later on after... Oh, I don't uh, believe that for a moment. Uh, I'm sorry, but uh, <laughs> I know this will uh, probably ruffle a few feathers, but I believe the Prime Minister yesterday lied to the Australian public. I have no doubt. Uh, I agree. You, I agree with you. Well, I, I think most, most uh, fair-minded people do would. I mean, can you tell me... Come on, Stan. Really, if, if the Defence Minister of this country has 
a, a young female staffer come to her uh, and to her uh, to her immediate staff and alleges that she's been raped in her office. You mean to tell me that Linda Reynolds didn't bring this up with the Prime Minister of the country? Her boss? Of course she would have. Well, it, would, it should be mandatory. And the thing is, when Miss uh, uh, Higgins was, uh, was interviewed, she was interu- interviewed in the same flaming room where the alleged oh, yes. uh, crime happened. Now, how, how thoughtless is that? Where's the empathy there for the same lady? Surely uh, there's got to be some compassion to this lady. Not give her a job in Western Australia, then give her another job to Macaulay uh, Cash in Western Australia. Yep. The bloke, where's the perpetrator? What's his name? How, how good is Ooh, the... Oh, I'd uh, love to name him. I'd love to name him, but I can't. People know. People know who he is. Oh, absolutely. Anyway, we'll leave it there. Um, Yes, and he's living in Sydney and just continuing his life as if nothing's ever happened. Uh, All right, Stan, thank you. Uh, Much more to say on this after the news at 6 o'clock. I mean, the Prime Minister yesterday publicly rebuked the Defence Minister, Linda Reynolds, for failing to tell him that a member of her parliamentary staff had alleged she'd been raped by a colleague ScoMo loves throwing people under the bus. Well, I don't buy it for a moment. I think he's a liar. All right, good morning and welcome to the program. If you're joining us for the first time, it's great to have your company. I'll put my teeth back in now. On a Wednesday, it is the 17th day of February. Love to hear from you. 13 12 69 is the telephone number. Just over an hour, we're going to catch up with Julian Hill MP. He has said, like the Prime Minister, I have a daughter. But that is completely irrelevant to understanding that violence against women is never acceptable. Helen Dalton MP also in the studio this morning. Helen coming in just after 7.30. Her bill to turn uh, turn ICAC into an independently funded organisation hopefully will gain support of others, including Labor and those on the crossbench. Helen claims that our corruption watchdogs in New South Wales are simply turning into lapdogs. It's because the government controls their funding and nobody wants to bite the hand that feeds them. Helen has reported a lot of corruption to ICAC, but they're consistently refusing to investigate her inquiries and queries, particularly when it comes to water. Last year, the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers introduced a bill to make sure watchdogs are independently funded and separate from the Cabinet cluster. The bill passed the Upper House 22 to 14. Only the Liberals and the Nationals voted against it. (laughs) Well, no surprise there. So Helen will sponsor a bill in the Lower House. It could be introduced as early as tomorrow. So we'll talk about that. Also, motor neurone disease is seven times higher in some regional New South Wales areas than it is compared to the national average. Griffith in particular, it's also disproportionately high in several other rural hotspots, including Coffs Harbour, Tamworth and Port Macquarie. So for my listeners this morning who are up there on the mid-north coast, if you're listening via FM 93.5 and Radio 531 at Port and the Mid-North Coast and 2HC in Coffs Harbour. You'll want to listen to Helen this morning. She'll give us details on this. Motor neurone disease is seven times higher in Griffith and it's also disproportionately high in several other rural hotspots, including Coffs Harbour, Tamworth and Port Macquarie. Now, research suggests 
that blue-green algae in waterways is the likely cause of these high motor neurone disease rates. The New South Wales government stopped funding for a Macquarie University research project which started back in 2012, which was aimed to conclusively determine the cause of high rates of motor neurone disease in rural areas. However, the good news is that this week Macquarie University professor Giles Gillam said he will resume his study and fund it via donations. And I agree with Helen. It's disgraceful that the New South Wales government won't fund this research. I mean, they only need $2 million. If Sydney had seven times the motor neurone disease rate of Australia, well, then you can damn well be sure that the state government would do something about it. Anyway, there'll be that and a few other issues to talk about this morning with Helen Dalton when she joins us on the program just after 7.30. All right, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had the Prime Minister of this country congratulate the Australian of the Year. She was a rape victim. So now, we're led to believe that Scott Morrison knew absolutely nothing about the alleged incident in one of his most senior minister's offices. What's more, it took his wife to explain to him that something's wrong here, Scott. I mean, it's disgraceful, really. The I spoke to Jen about this routine is enough to make you want to throw up. At the very, very least, Minister Linda Reynolds must go and be followed very quickly by the senior public servant who botched the whole investigation from the beginning. Imagine ordering steam clean of what could be a potential crime scene. And as if that wasn't bad enough, imagine then ordering a rape victim back into the same room it had allegedly occurred in. Then imagine the minister involved apparently not telling her boss, the Prime Minister, that one of her junior staffers says she was sexually assaulted in Parliament House on a couch, her couch, no less, in her office. And finally, while we're still living in the land of make-believe... Imagine only finding out about it in the last 24 hours, as the Prime Minister claims. Well, I'm sorry, Scott Morrison, I don't buy it for a moment. Oh, by the way, imagine also Michaelia Cash effectively telling a young woman to suck it up if she wanted to leave a jo- uh, keep a job. It's not, maybe, hard to imagine any of this at all. Not with this mob in charge. I was ashamed yesterday to be an Australian. I really, really was. 13 12 69, the telephone number if you would like to have your say. It's 11 minutes after 6. Want more news and genuine talk on the radio? Then stick with us. Marcus Paul in the morning. There's been a total, in my opinion, a total breakdown of what should occur after a young woman 
has been allegedly sexually assaulted. She's an incredibly brave young woman, Marcus, and Brittany Higgins' uh, story is a, is a really shocking one and, and speaks to the importance of having safe workplaces everywhere. Marcus Paul in the morning. New South Wales opposition leader Jodie McKay joins us exclusively on the program this morning. Apparently what has happened is that uh, on the tribunal website there's been a, a letter which accompanied uh, a number of documents from churches that was never addressed to the tribunal that has been characterised as letter of support. The letter itself is not attached. So all it says is Jodie McKay letter of support. It is categorically not that. So I'm just so angry that the government uh, would seek to do this. This is what they do. It's dirt flinging and, and mud raking. Get up. Marcus Paul in the morning. Yeah, what a difference uh, a couple of decades makes. I'm looking at two photographs. One on the left is a very fit-looking athlete, one of our greatest swimmers at the time. Scott Miller. He's got a stack of medals hanging around his neck that he just won at the Olympics uh, by virtue of his swimming prowess. I compare that photograph with the one on the right. A very overweight, dishevelled-looking Miller being arrested at his waterfront home in Roselle. Well, police have arrested two men, including the Olympic swimmer, following an investigation into the ongoing supply of more than $2 million worth of ice or methamphetamine. Uh, Mr Miller, 45, was arrested at his home yesterday, while another, 40, uh, another man, 47 years of age, was also detained at a home in Balmain. This all happened early yesterday morning. It's after detectives launched an investigation earlier in the year in a bid to crack down on the supply of prohibited drugs, mainly ice, across New South Wales... And the allegation is that the former Olympian, Scott Miller, was one of the ringleaders in this organised crime syndicate. Well done to police on swooping in. And, uh, I mean, I don't know, Scott Miller, what a fall from grace from this bloke. He's still a relatively young man, 45 years of age. And right now he is facing some very serious charges and looking at a very lengthy stint in jail if he's found guilty. Yeniko and Vins, am I wrong? Marcus Paul in the morning. Leon has been in touch. If you want to send me a note, you can MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com. Marcus, terrific. The Prime Minister has appointed West Australian Liberal MP Celia Hammond former Vice-Chancellor of the University of Notre Dame to work with coalition MPs to consider new standards to support women in politics. What a choice. Hammond is Catholic and has in the past raised concerns about premarital casual sex and militant feminism. She's accused feminists of being pro-abortion, anti-men, anti-tradition and anti-family and has banned students from forming official university clubs that supported equal marriage rights. In my opinion, says Leon Marcus, this will have zero effect. Uh, Tom's on the open line. Morning, Tom. Hello, Marcus. How are you? All right, thank you, Tom. What's on your mind? Uh, I just want a question, a legal question, Marcus, about this incident with the the, uh, alleged assault in Well, I'm not a lawyer, but (laughs) what's the question? Well, I just thought that if you're aware that a crime's taken place, then your legal obligation is to report it to the police, isn't it? Isn't that, well, isn't the police that... were called 
the place, uh, let's be very clear on this, the police were eventually called and uh, it's a different sort of operation in Parliament House. There is a separate Australian Federal Police Division, but look, there is a case, I think, where, uh, I'd be a little careful here, but I suspect um, that perhaps outside police, that is Australian Capital Territory Police, Maybe should have been called in earlier, so it could have been dealt with externally rather than internally, so there's no issue of a potential conflict of interest. Uh, Not only that, security guards were also there, etc. It's obvious that something happened rather than call in the cleaners. You're right, perhaps Miss Reynolds should have called in the police. Uh, A child is fighting for his life after last night falling five storeys off an inner-city apartment roof. Emergency workers rushed to Botany Road at Alexandria at around four o'clock late yesterday. The child was treated on the side of the road before being taken to the Sydney Children's Hospital at Ramwick in a critical but stable condition. He had a suspected broken leg and internal injuries. Police are still investigating the circumstances of the fall... And they were seen on the roof of the apartment block while colleagues roped off sections of the pathway below. I don't know how old this child is, but you've got to ask the question. What was a child doing on top of an inner city apartment roof? I can under... I mean, it's awful, but you can almost understand. Okay, children can fall from balconies and out of windows, but on a roof... What was the child doing up there? All right, COVID patients forced to flee their hotel in Melbourne after the sprinklers failed and flooded four floors (laughs) emerged with bin liners over their heads. You saw the vision. Uh, It gave, you know, pretty good ammunition to those that are having a good old swing again at so-called Chairman Dan. Uh, That's not his name. His name is Dan Andrews. But anyway, there are a number of people that like to call him Chairman Dan. I think it's disrespectful, to be honest. He is the the Premier of Victoria. But anyway, guests left the Hotel Holiday Inn on Flinders Lane to be taken to a new hotel after the latest bungle. I mean, it doesn't look good. Now, some people suggested yesterday online that they were covered in bin liners so they wouldn't be identified by the media. I get that, but I don't know. Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews was quick to shoot down a suggestion the bag was protective equipment. Everyone in the community needs to know that this stuff these people are wearing isn't PPE. (laughs) He said they've been given PPE and have it on. What they are doing is not wanting to be identified. I can kind of understand that. All right, 13, 12, 69. Mick, are you there, mate? Hey, mate, two very quick things. First of all, Prime Minister Morrison yesterday, mm. to me, sounded like the banks or the churches after a Royal Commission. But a lot of soul-searching, and we've learned from this. Oh, rubbish. We've learned. Yeah, rubbish. You know, I think it was a lot of crap that he came out with. Mm. Um, you had a lot of time to soul-search and learn from this before that. Yep. I just think it's a disgusting way to put it. In other words, we don't... We're at no more responsibility for what happened because we've soul-searched and learned. The banks said that. Crown Casino is saying at the moment, you know, we never believe it, but they say it. The other one is our um, state... Just before you move on, there's no rush. Just before you move on, I mean, there are a whole range of uh, 
comments coming out this morning. I mean, I was about to, I don't know, kick a dog up the backside this morning, but then I recalled a conversation I had with Jenny where she told me it was wrong to kick a dog up the backside. And you can, you yeah. know, you can insert anything you like there. Come on. Really? Mate, and really I don't, is Scotty for marketing. And I don't really believe for, for a moment, I don't believe for a moment that the Prime Minister... I mean, even senior people within his own office in the PMO, the Prime Minister's office, were aware of what happened in Linda, allegedly of what happened in Linda Rendell's, uh, Linda Rendell's office. Uh, what you, we're, we're expected to believe that there wasn't a conversation had with the Prime Minister of this country after an alleged rape in one of his most senior ministers' offices after hours in Parliament. The staffer himself, the bloke that's allegedly involved, well, he was given the boot over the incident, not necessarily what's contained within the incident, but the fact that, you know, he accessed the office after hours... I mean, come on. They take us for mugs. Yeah. They think we're that stupid. Mate, I often ask the question of politicians, are you um, lying or are you incompetent? Mm. It's one or the other. You know, do you have your head in the sand? Do they pull the wool over your eyes in your government or are you bullshitting to us? Yeah. It is one or the other every time. The other, mate, I'd like to defend... Now, you know I'm not the biggest fan of Jody, not because of anything except she's not charismatic. I say that all the time. Labor leaders have got to have charisma. Yeah. I'd like to defend her 100%. She's done nothing wrong. There is this swell of the mainstream... Well, let's not call it mainstream. Let's call it the corrupt media, of what it is up the road in Channel 9, that is relentless against her and will make ways and will probably cost her her job. Well, I hope okay, not. Which is very I hope sad. not, because she's one of the very few in politics, in my opinion, with integrity. I mean, Jody, as I, I mean... I believe she's got a lot of integrity. If you've ever been to your local member, let me explain to people what happens, because we've done this. We've been to our local member, and we've said we have a problem. They make representations for you. Why? Because they're your representative. That's right. They are your local representative, and that's their job. They can't say to you, no, I'm not going to do this, because I disagree with your politics, or I disagree with your religion, or I don't make submissions on this. They're not recommending for you. They must make representations to a minister. I've been there and done that. He's given us advice, but in the end, he has to take what we... He says, write me a letter, yep. and I will send it to the minister. Of well, course, he sends it with yeah. his letterhead so he knows who it came from, but she made no recommendations at all. She made representations, which is her job. I well, mate, at the end of the day, the too, at the end of the day, there were many high-profile people, commentators or otherwise, who, you know, made representations on behalf of people like George Pell. That's correct. So, you know. Well, some, I mean, character references. This is not a character reference. No, it's okay? not. It's not, mate. I've got to go because the news is coming up, and I appreciate you call as always, Mick. Thank you very much, mate. All right, coming up to 6.30, Marcus Paul in the morning, if you would like to have your say, 13 12 69 is the telephone number. Email us. Check out our podcasts. And listen live to smsupernetwork.com. Unscripted, genuine, and sometimes silly. Marcus Paul in the morning. Okay, 22 minutes away from 7. 13 12 69 is our telephone number. Frank, are you there, mate? Yes, Marcus. Good morning. Morning, Frank. Look, uh, have you seen the um, negative advert, I believe, by the Labor Party? Um, on television about the uh, spying fiasco, I believe, in in East Timor. Um, you know, I'm thinking 
who cares, who knows, and who cares. Okay. So, yeah, so what, what I'm saying is, yep. you know, the, the electorate, the electorate doesn't particularly care about that. And, um, you know, it's just typical Labor Party being totally ineffective. You know, <laughs> we've waited all this time for them to do something, and they're putting up an ad that no one, basically half of half the electorate wouldn't know about, and the other half wouldn't care. I haven't seen <laughs> this ad. Which, which ad are you talking about, Frank? Oh, look, it's a, it's a political ad about the spying in East Timor, I believe. Right. Okay. You know, and um, it's, you know, and it's criticising uh, the government, I believe, for allowing this to go on. Well, woo. There's spies bloody everywhere. <laughs> Even in Australia, all around the world, there's spies. I mean, all this time, you know, is this the first, this is the first ad they've got, you know, probably uh, in the form of negative advertising. Mm. I mean, mate, if this is a Labor Party, they've got no bloody hope of winning an election. And num- number two is on Scott, on, on the Prime Minister. Yeah. I just, I just find it unbelievable two months prior to an election that he was not informed about that horrible circumstance um, with the staffer. Well, I, I uh, look, uh, I, I don't believe it for a moment. I'm sorry. I, I Look, I know a lot of people probably will get upset, but I believe that the Prime Minister of Australia lied uh, to his constituents yesterday. I, I, I'm sorry. I just, I don't buy it. And I, I'm not. I just don't think uh, what he said yesterday was credible. The Prime Minister has made an emotional pledge to change the culture of Parliament following allegations of rape in a minister's suite, as we know about. And he he's faced more questions over who in his office knew of the shocking claims and how they responded. So now we see a dispute has erupted over when the Prime Minister's team was made aware of an incident that took place in Linda Reynolds' office back in 2019, just as my caller said, just prior, uh, prior to the last federal election. Now, he said that his staff were only told of the events last week. Now, that's a claim that is certainly at odds with statements from former staffer Brittany Higgins. Now, I can play this game too, Hadley. I've been told, and I mean, when I say Hadley, I mean, I saw and I heard Ray Hadley in his very vitriolic attack on the New South Wales opposition leader, Jody McKay. He thought he'd bring in, uh, you know, so-called Labor people from the federal sphere who wanted to kick Jody McKay out of federal politics, you know, and there's some sort of orchestrated campaign from somewhere high up in the federal Labor Party uh, that they don't want Jody there. Well, look, I can tell you that I also have my sources in Canberra, probably more reliable than yours, Ray, and <laughs> I can tell... Because having worked there myself, you've never worked there, mate. You've never worked there. And I can tell you that sources have told me the Prime Minister damn well knew about it. Absolutely knew about it. Anyway... Mr Morrison said phone records and other files showed his principal private secretary, Yaron Finkelstein, did not call Miss Higgins late last year, as she claimed. 
The conflicting accounts emerged as Mr Morrison yesterday announced twin reviews of Parliament's workplace culture in response to Ms Higgins' allegations. It's too little too late, Scott. Liberal MP Celia Hammond has been tasked with examining the culture within the MPs' offices and the training politicians receive to deal with complaints or incidents. While the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet Deputy Secretary Stephanie Foster will also look at formal processes. What, do we need to have another inquiry and we need to look at formal processes, do we? (laughs) Just to be told that if a young female or a male staffer, for that matter, or anybody comes forward and says, look, I've been sexually assaulted, it's happened in this office, so we need a, what, we need a, a formal process now and a review into what most people would consider is common sense. Call the police! Get an investigation going. Don't call in the cleaners. Call the police. Mr Morrison yesterday apologised to Miss Higgins for the government's failure to help her enough with the trauma of the events. You're nothing like a national story on the project on Monday night to get you into action, Scott. Anyway, he's vowed to change the culture of Parliament on the treatment of women. He denied having a don't-ask-don't-tell policy about harassment and aired his frustration with Senator Reynolds. Now the Defence Minister, who knew the rape allegations but did not tell him. Miss Higgins says she was raped by a colleague in the Senator's ministerial office where they both worked in the early hours of Saturday, March 23, back in 2019. Miss Higgins, who left the government last month, said the Prime Minister's fixer, Finkelstein had been broadly in proximity to the matter in the days after the alleged rape. She also said Mr Finkelstein made a strange sort of check-in about the matter. Well, he certainly did. That was at around about the time of the Four Corners report that the federal government fought tooth and nail against the ABC airing. Is it any wonder now that they didn't want this aired and... Of course, makes perfect sense that the fixer Finkelstein would check in to see how Britney's going, probably just to ensure that maybe she wasn't speaking to Four Corners at that time as well. There's a problem there, Scott Morrison, and you need to fix it. You need to accept that your government has well and truly absolutely stuffed up. The Defence Minister, Linda Reynolds, first and foremost, needs to be shown the door. All right, well, uh, the uh, scenario over Jody McKay continues. Uh, today, James O'Doherty and Anna Caldwell, um, two of Rupert Murdoch's News Corp attack dogs, continue their assault. Jody McKay's hold on the later leadership has taken a significant blow, with MPs across all factions saying she was on her last chance after penning a letter which was used to support a convicted pedophile's bridging visa application. No, James. No, Anna. That is not what Jody did. And you damn well know that's not what she did. You are spinning it for your own agenda. They say the Daily Telegraph has spoken to multiple MPs, including some who supported McKay in the 2019 leadership ballot, who want to see her replaced in order to assist Labor's chances. However, even they struggle with forming a plan to act due to the rules of the spills set up by Kevin Rudd. 
Miss Mackay's closest allies and her head office remained supportive. And when asked directly if her leadership had been put at risk, the opposition leader said she had received overwhelming support from her colleagues since the letter was revealed. That's despite MPs from both sides of the party indicating that Jody was rapidly losing their confidence. One MP said the general consensus among MPs is that Miss Mackay's leadership is an ongoing problem. Really? Why? Why is it ongo- Is it an ongoing problem? I mean, I know that a lot of these Labor MPs listen to this program. Many of them I actually have on the program. Well, who's going to fess up? Who's going to ring me and who's going to speak to me on this program and tell me that they have a problem with Jodie McKay? And if they do, why? As I said before, she is probably one of the only MPs within politics with the integrity that they should all show. I mean, yesterday on this program, Miss McKay said she hadn't done anything wrong, but she does regret writing the letter. Asked whether she would apologise to the two women, including a victim who was indecently assaulted by the man when she was 13 years old, Miss McKay said, I don't think I'll ever have the opportunity to speak with them. Look, we know that she wrote the letter on, you know, as a part of a normal procedure that MPs do, acting on behalf of their constituents. Now, the Administrative Appeals Tribunal considered this letter a letter of support for the man's bridging visa application, but it wasn't a letter of support at all. A letter of support is something that the uh, leader of the opposition, Jodie McKay, doesn't do. They, she has procedures in her office whereby she doesn't write references for people and doesn't send letters of support. Anyway, 13 12 69, the telephone number, if you would like to have you say. Um, and uh, on the email, MP in the morning, 2smsupernetwork.com. I've got a few of those coming through, which I'll get to in just a moment. Unscripted, genuine, sometimes silly. Oh, sometimes yeah. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, James is on the open line at 7 to 7. Hello, James. Morning, Marcus. You're looking good, mate. Thank you. Um, regarding, uh, what's the name, Jody, the opposition leader, her letter where people are saying, uh, oh, support for this uh, breaching visa and she's saying it's not and you're saying it's not. Why doesn't, surely she'd have a copy of the letter. Yes. Why doesn't she publish the letter? And then She's published the letter. Go, She's published the letter. We've published it as well on our social media page. The letter is oh, out yeah, there. Okay. Uh, it's very clear uh, that it's not a letter of support. It attaches documents for consideration by the Administrative Appeals Tribunal. Uh, that's something that a lot of MPs do. I mean, look, if I wanted to, I could get a freedom of information search on a number of MPs and so-called letters of support, and I could tag it any way I wanted to if I had an agenda. Oh, uh, well, fine. Yep, no worries. It's out there in the open. What's everyone going on about it then? It's there. Uh, whoops. Someone made a blue. Someone tried to twist the facts. 
and just say, right, it's open, it's there, everyone can read it. Well, I'll tell you why um, everyone's jumping up and down about it, because a lot of people have an agenda against Jodie McKay and, you know, they want to, in any, for whatever reason, they want to link her to a convicted pedophile. I mean, the word was thrown around yesterday like confetti. Certainly not on this program, but others. Um, they're doing everything they possibly can to smear and discredit Jodie McKay. So they're trying to link her to a pedophile, a convicted pedophile who has spent time in jail, who was at the Villawood Detention Centre, wanted to remain here in Australia, and a constituent approached Jodie uh, as her, you know, she's the MP around Strathfield, as constituents do. Jodie attached a whole range of information, including, mind you, the background on this bloke to be considered by the Administrative Appeals Tribunal. Now, Jody McKay does not decide who remains in this country. And bringing in Peter Dutton, for God's sake, again, any, any way to, I guess, divert or distract from his blatant use of taxpayer dollars, $36,000 for a little trip down south to Tasmania on our dime, <laughs> for God's sake... Any chance Dutton has to distract from that, well, of course he'll take it. So yesterday, he was involved in the media as well, and he took a swing. They're all lining up to take a swing. Why? Well, and why is this being blown into a major issue? Well, again, because of an agenda, and it's a distraction. That's the way that the Murdoch Press and Nine and 2GB work. Steve Blackett says, Mark, is careful you don't overplay this and do more emotional harm to the victim in your usual pursuit of the LNP. Any means to an end for you and bugger the consequences. A true commo through and through, very much like your latest best friend, Dan the Man. <laughs> Steve Blackett, you are a moron. Dead set. Uh, again, the reason I'm going as hard as I am on this issue is because I'll probably be the only one who will. Steve, and the reason I'm doing it is because of this. I remember him saying something to the effect of just, just be quiet. So once you passed through security, where did you go? We went up the lift into Minister Reynolds' suite. I remember that he was taking a really long time with something, and so I got to the point where I don't know if he guided me there or if I went there myself, but I ended up laying down and passing out on the minister's couch. So what's the next thing that you remember happening? The first thing that sort of awoke me was I was in a pain. My leg was kind of being crushed. The senior staffer was on top of me. He was clearly almost finished. Um, Sorry, was there sexual intercourse going on? Yeah, I, was, I, was, I woke up mid-rape, essentially. Um, I, I don't know why I knew he was almost finished, but I'd, I'd felt like it had been going on for a while or that he was almost done. He was sweaty. I couldn't get him off of me. At this point, I started crying. What did you say to him? I told him to stop. Did he? No. How many times would you estimate you said to him to stop? I felt like it was like on a loop endlessly. Um, at least half a dozen. I was crying the whole way through it. And he didn't speak to me the entire time. I just remember him, eventually, he stopped and he got up 
and he looked at me and I kind of looked at him and I couldn't get up and then he left. You have a photo that you took of a bruise that developed from that night. What does that photograph show? It's quite a large bruise. It's just the weight, obviously, of his leg pinning me down. So you've since learned that a security guard did come into the room after the alleged rape took place. Yeah. Can you understand how someone whose job it is to keep Parliament House secure would not call for medical help? No, I wrestle with it myself all the time. Um, yeah. So when you finally woke up... They were sort of yelling out to the office, just checking, because they broadly sort of had an understanding that something had happened. Um, Can you describe what state you were in? My dress was up around my waist. The straps were kind of down. I was pretty dishevelled. I was scared that I was at work. <laughs> my first thought was, oh, my God, I'm at work. Um, How many security guards did you see on the way out? I saw the two gentlemen at the um, ministerial entrance on the way out. Did any of those security guards ask if you were OK? No. No. What happened when you got back to your apartment? My roommate thought it was kind of weird and I was acting weird. Um, but I just sat in my room all day and cried. All right, so there's Brittany. So, Steve Blackett, uh, in relation to your email, that's why I'm going as hard as I can. And uh, no matter what you say, Steve, um, people knew what happened. And I believe the Prime Minister of Australia also knew what happened, despite uh, rolling out the gen... Uh, and the kids' argument yesterday and all the rest of it. It's all uh, a distraction, all part of the marketing campaign to spin it one way or the other and not take responsibility for an alleged rape that happened on the Prime Minister's watch in his very house. Good morning, I'm Michaela Savage. Olympic medalist Scott Miller remains in custody after being arrested and charged with drug offences. Police allege the 45-year-old was the kingpin of a $2.2 million ice syndicate supplying drugs to people in regional New South Wales. The drugs were hidden in candles and were destined for Albury in New southern New South Wales. Miller will face court again in April. A second man, aged 47, has also been charged. A woman will face court after being arrested following a brawl in central west New South Wales. Up to 20 people were involved in the incident in Alcaringa Street in Dubbo last night. A group of people armed with cricket bats, golf clubs and rocks confronted the driver of an SUV. Police were called and arrested a 48-year-old woman after the incident. She's been charged with driving dangerously and affray. An 11-year-old boy has been seriously injured after falling five stories to the ground. The boy fell from the rooftop of an apartment building in Waterloo at 3.30 yesterday afternoon. He suffered a broken leg and internal injuries and police are investigating. A police officer has been stabbed in far north Queensland. The 50-year-old was patrolling a Cairns shopping centre yesterday afternoon when he spotted a 22-year-old man who was known to him in his stairwell. The officer was stabbed and is in a stable condition in hospital. His alleged attacker was arrested a short time after the attack in Bungalow.
Myanmar's detained leader Aung San Suu Kyi has been slapped with another criminal charge after appearing in court yesterday via video link. She's now alleged to have broken the nation's natural disaster law on top of previous charges relating to the illegal possession of communication devices. Authorities have not made it clear what the new charge relates to. Protests across the country's cities are continuing despite the military announcing harsh new penalties, including lengthy jail sentences, for anybody who defies officials. The federal government is being urged to act on the Sex Discrimination Commissioner's report. The report detailed 55 recommendations when it was released a year ago. ACTU President Michelle O'Neill says these recommendations need to be implemented quickly. It's a safety issue across workplaces across the country and what we need to see is a swift response where workers can get access to justice, where we have better laws, where there can be independent inquiries into workplaces where workers are at risk and where they know that employers have a responsibility to keep workers safe. 46 people in India have died after a bus ran off a bridge and into a canal. 60 people were on board the vehicle at the time, seven of which have managed to swim to safety. The driver is among the survivors, but rescue crews are still searching for the others. An inquiry into the incident has been launched by the state government in Madhya Pradesh. The New South Wales Women of the Year Awards has recognised inspirational and influential women. 30 finalists have been named, with the winners to be announced on March 10. Minister for Women Bronnie Taylor says it's important they're given some recognition. It's the 10th anniversary of the awards and we've seen a real increase in nominations which is reflecting so many outstanding contributions by women. And these finalists, they are an absolute inspiration to others and each one of them is leading the charge and showing others what it takes to make a difference and help to build a safer and a stronger New South Wales. Updating sport, all eyes will be on Ash Barty tonight when she takes to Rod Laver Arena for her Australian Open quarterfinal. She's up against Czechoslovakia's Karolina Mochova. Last night, Serena Williams defeated Simona Halep 6-3, 6-3 to advance to the semi-finals. She'll play Naomi Osaka tomorrow. The captains of the NRL All-Stars teams have been named. On the Indigenous side, Cody Walker has been given the role of skipper and the Maori team will be captained, uh, co-captained that is, by Dallin Watini-Zelezniak and Joe Tarpany. It comes after a number of players had to be eliminated from the squad because of Victoria's lockdown measures. And Geelong's midfielder Mitch Duncan might not be fit for the Cats' round one clash against Adelaide. He's already been pulled from the pre-season hitouts against Collingwood and Essendon because of a calf injury. Duncan's been told to take it easy for a few weeks. In finance, the Dow Jones is up 87 points at 31,545 and one Australian dollar is buying 77.63 US cents. This is Super Network News. 2SM Sydney weather. Partly cloudy with a medium chance of showers and southeasterly winds today. We're heading for top temperatures of 26 degrees in the city and 25 in the west. Looking further ahead, cloudy with possible showers on Thursday, Friday and Saturday. At the moment in the city it's 19, Bankstown 19 and Richmond 18. That's the latest 2SM News. I'm Michaela Savage. Now back to Marcus Paul in the morning on 2SM. 2SM Sydney Traffic. 
Gravel, the M4 approaching James Roof Drive off Rampart Truck, broken down eastbound left hand lane. Asquith, the Pacific Highway, just past Coringai Chase Road, multi vehicle accident, southbound direction. Beverly Hills, King George's Road, near Penhurst Road, a truck breakdown at northbound in lane one. Don't have Foxtel, the world's best sports and entertainment is on sale now. Sport, drama, movies, and Netflix all in one place. Get it now. Search Foxtel or call 131787. That's the latest traffic on 2SM1260. Imitators come and go, but there is only one John Laws. With New Zealand's Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern ordering the country's largest city, Auckland, into a three-day lockdown from last night after the emergence of just three cases. I think that's a dramatic overreaction. You know, it's almost embarrassing. But in reality, these lockdowns are the product of some overzealous health bureaucrat who'd rather lock everybody up and then deal with the reality of the occasional locally acquired case here and there. I talked about your little brother's concert on Saturday night, which you went to. Was it great? It was fantastic. He's so good, isn't he? I rung you to tell you that the majority of the audience was young people up here in yeah. Bathurst. Good. You enjoyed my little brother's concert, and you enjoyed it for one reason, because he's brilliant. The John Lewis Show, weekdays from 9am on 2SM. comes the all-new Kia Stonic SUV. Step up into the latest SUV on the block and see it all with an elevated ride height. Packed with a turbocharged punch. Up-to-date smart tech. Striking two-tone colour range. Hold up. And Australia's best seven-year warranty. The all-new Kia Stonic SUV. You up? My family's been farming this land for generations and hopefully will for many more to come. Things aren't as easy to do on the farm as they once were and we hear of too many injuries, especially to older farmers. If you've been in the game as long as me, there are things you can do to make work easier and safer. The Great Idea Bank is a guide produced by older farmers for older farmers with practical tips that can help whether you think you're old or not. For copies, visit farmsafe.org.au. Hi, Kirk Pingilly from InXS here. And whether it's music, sweet things, puppies, movies, we all love our treats. But our eyes need treating too. 300,000 Australians, including me, are affected by glaucoma. Diagnosed early, glaucoma can be managed. Left undiagnosed, it can cause blindness. So treat yourself by treating your eyes to a simple test. Book your test at treatyoureyes.org.au today. 2SM Super Network News. News. Want more news and genuine talk on the radio? Then stick with us. Marcus Paul in the morning. There's been a total, in my opinion, a total breakdown of what should occur after a young woman has been allegedly sexually assaulted. She's an incredibly brave young woman, Marcus, and Brittany Higgins' uh, story is, a, is a, a really shocking one and, and speaks to the importance of having safe workplaces everywhere. Marcus Paul in the morning. New South Wales opposition leader Jody McKay joins us exclusively on the program this morning. Apparently what has happened is that uh, on the tribunal website there's been a, a letter which accompanied uh, a number of documents from churches that was never addressed to the tribunal that has been characterised as letter of support. The letter itself is not attached. 
so all it says is Jodie McKay letter of support. It is categorically not that. So I'm just so angry that the government uh, would seek to do this. This is what they do. It's dirt flinging and, and mud raking. Get up. Marcus Paul in the morning. Did you feel pressured in any way whatsoever not to proceed with the case, with the police? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there is a strange culture of silence in the parties and you just, you don't... The idea of sort of speaking out on these sort of issues, especially around a campaign, is just... It's like letting the team down. You're not a team player. I have listened to Britain. Jenny and I spoke last night and she said to me, you have to think about this as a father first. What would you want to happen if it were our girls? I've reflected on that overnight and listened to Brittany and what she had to say. There are a couple of things here we need to address. The power of Jen and more importantly the power of Brittany. Brittany Higgins' powerful testimony on national television last night of being allegedly raped on a minister's couch by another staffer in Parliament House, then feeling pressured to keep quiet about it, moved the PM to go where politics has had trouble going for so long, an understanding of what it feels like to be on the wrong end of an imbalance of power. Despite what were the genuine good intentions of all those who did pride to provide support to Brittany, that clearly, by what she said last night, at the end of the day, she did not feel that way. Yep. All right. Well, that's courtesy of the 7.30 report last night as this story continues to develop the fallout from shocking allegations that a young woman was raped in a federal minister's camera office two years ago. Certainly dominated politics yesterday. It will continue to dominate today as it should. There are real questions to be answered about how an alleged serious crime could have taken place in that location and who was aware that it had occurred, plus more reflection on the culture inside Parliament House. Julian Hill MP, like the Prime Minister, is a father. But that's completely irrelevant to understanding that violence against women is never acceptable. Julian's on the program. Hello, mate. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. Uh, I was embarrassed yesterday. I was embarrassed uh, by my Prime Minister. I don't buy for a moment. I'm I'm sorry. (laughs) And it upsets people when I say it. I believe that Scott Morrison lied to the Australian public yesterday. I believe he would have known precisely what had occurred and what the allegations were inside a senior minister's office within his house, Parliament House. It is beyond belief that he didn't know. It's implausible. But... Like everyone or every decent human, I think I was just shocked and appalled when I heard these allegations. They're heartbreaking and you don't have to be a father. You just need to be human. And I can only imagine how difficult this must be for Brittany. And, you know, as the years go on and we get a bit older, uh, many of us are no family, friends and others who've been touched by sexual assault. And you learn just a little along the way. Um, but I'm in awe of how strong Brittany is. Uh, it's hard enough for so many people to come forward and report sexual assault in any circumstance, but to do that in the full glare of the national media, um, hats off to her for her courage and strength. But the Prime Minister's response was just beyond belief. Um, he just doesn't get it. There's something not quite right about the guy when you see that sort of response. 
Um, as one of the journalists so aptly said yesterday, Tegan George, she hit the nail on the head. She yeah. put a question. Shouldn't the PM have acted on Monday, not waited to talk to his wife that night? Absolutely. I mean, the, the whole playing of the Jen and daughter's card, the family card, uh, I see right through it. Uh, and I see, again, it's, uh, it's all a part of the spin. It's all a part of the marketing of a man who quite clearly lacks any empathy, in my opinion. Uh, he's a political animal who will stop at nothing to retain power. And he's been found wanting on this. I mean, yesterday he publicly rebuked the Defence Minister, Linda Reynolds. Well, how about, how about getting rid of her, Scott? I mean, for goodness sake, it's almost as if there's been a cover-up from the get-go on this. Well, it is. As you say, it's just beyond belief that this could happen two years ago and no one mentioned it. It's implausible that the Prime Minister nor his advisers knew of this and their staff moved between offices. Such a shocking incident. But let's just pretend for a moment that that's true. Let's just take him at his word. The only thing to do then is a full independent inquiry into what happened. Mm. I mean, what, you know, if, if that's what's going on in the Prime Minister's office, oh, no one tells me anything. What is the guy, a mushroom? He sits in the corner in the dark and you know, gets fed what mushrooms get fed. It, it is just outrageous. Well, it is. And you've got to remember as well that Linda Reynolds, chief of staff at the time of the alleged incident, Fiona Brown, has worked in Scott Morrison's office since after the 2019 election. And she had prior knowledge of the alleged assault, having managed Higgins directly in the aftermath. Managed, isn't that a great word? For goodness sake, it was like a, a, a box-ticking exercise. And I'm sorry, this is just not good enough. If, if this is the standard of how we deal with alleged sexual abuse inside our, uh, Parliament House, the core of our democracy in Australia, then when it's not doing well enough at all. Well, absolutely. And clearly there needs to be significant change to the procedures so that all staff, whatever their gender, whatever their age, whatever their role, that everyone who works in this building, like any workplace, should deserve to feel safe. And if there is an incident, if something inappropriate happens, that people have proper independent channels to go to and feel safe in reporting that. But that reaction yesterday, I mean, daughters and wives don't exist to teach men to respect women and have empathy. Uh, if the Prime Minister didn't instantly understand how appalling this crime is, then, as someone said yesterday, no wonder the government hires empathy consultants. And 190000 yeah. bucks a year uh, is what I'm led to believe from uh, what I've been told, that this so-called empathy advisor is paid by taxpayers. I mean, that's money obviously well spent. Look, we could talk about this uh, at length, but let's move on to something else. I've, I'm very impressed by this work you've been doing on Australia's global performance falling behind. Uh, I have a, a full copy of your report here, uh, and it's not good reading. It's really not. You've assessed our nation's well-being and progress after seven years of Liberal government, referencing data that's reputable. Uh, global rankings and research. Uh, basically, it's a report card, if you like, on how we've dealt with things like our economy, COVID-19, wage growth, economic productivity, equality, a whole range of core issues that are of importance to Australians. And overall, it doesn't look like a very good report card at all. No, well, I, I nerded out, to be honest, over summer, and uh, the more you scratch into it, I looked at dozens of international benchmarks. These are publicly available, reputable data from, you know, transparent sources, 
And they measure how countries stack up against each other, if you like. It's kind of like the World Olympics, the tables for how we do on economic growth and wage growth and environment. And it isn't good reading. Um, Quite frankly, Australia's falling behind under the Liberals in their eighth year of government. They hate talking about this stuff because it's their brand propaganda that Mm. they're great economic managers. You know, we might be nasty, mean and cruel and whatever else, but we're good at the economy. Well, the facts don't bear that out. In the six years between 2013 and 2019, real wages in this country went backwards in real terms. People had less money in their pockets in real terms than when they were elected. That's not good economic management. Uh, And you mentioned the word productivity. Everyone always talks about productivity. It's like the secret sauce in the economy that creates wealth. It's how much we squeeze out of what we have. Mm. Uh, Productivity growth was fifth last out of the 37 OECD countries. Negative growth. So we're going backwards, in other words, on a number of outcomes. Health, we now rank sixth sixth worst in the OECD for obesity rates. Uh, in 2017, 2018, two-thirds or 67% of Australian adults were overweight or obese. That's an increase of 4% since 2014-15. Uh, we have suicide as the leading cause of death for Australians aged 15 to 14 and the second leading cause of death for Australians aged 50 to 54. I mean, on a global scale, we have one of the world's best universal healthcare systems, but that's all thanks to previous governments... Hawke Keating, Rudd Gillard, and despite the Liberals' long-held desire to undermine it, well, that undermining continues. I mean, you only have to look here in New South Wales and the state of regional hospitals. We've got an inquiry going on right now, Julian. Which I've is heard qu- you're campaigning on this, Marcus. It's terrific, and it's too often overlooked. You, you, regional communities need that voice to speak up very strongly. Uh, but you're right on health. I mean, out of 11 high-income countries, we now rank only eight. Healthcare affordability. Healthcare is getting more expensive under this mob. Um, but it's so important as we enter an election year that people have the facts. So the report's clear, it's easy to read. I've mm. put references there. If you don't believe the data, go look it up. Yep. It's not weird stuff off the internet. So I'll, I'll post it on your Facebook page if you like. Oh, um, we'd so love it. Can get yes. the facts if we can get a, a very good link to it on the. Uh, yeah, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, what we'll Happy do, to. we'll put up a, a podcast of our discussion this morning on these very serious issues, and then we'll, uh, we'll put the link up to your report as well, because Australia's global performance quite clearly shows that we, we, we are falling behind in a number of areas. Look at equality, or inequality rather. Australia has become a more unequal society under the Liberals. This means wealth has become more concentrated in Australia. The poor are basically becoming poorer, while the already wealthy are gaining more wealth. I mean, look, look at the stats. Nearly 2 million working Australians in 2020 were forced to rip $35.9 billion from their superannuation simply to survive. Well, there's hundreds of thousands of Australians, low-income Australians, that now have not a dollar left in superannuation for their retirement. Mm. And yet, the same 12 months, COVID has been great for Australian billionaires. Their combined worth was assessed to be 52.4% higher. So 50% higher over 12 months during the COVID-19 recession, yet the government forced the lowest-income people to withdraw their super just to survive. That's not a fair country. We can do better than that. We're a better society than this. Absolutely. All right. Always good to talk to you, Julian. Uh, have a can good I day. Just, can I just congratulate yeah. you on your engagement? Oh, 
Sure. Valentine's Day, I heard. How <laughs> terrific. Well, I'll be honest with you. I couldn't, I didn't make Valentine's Day. That was the original plan. <laughs> uh, the plan was uh, Sunday morning after a nice breakfast and, uh, you know, and uh, it didn't work out that way. I kind of couldn't hold my nerve and I, I, I went early, Julian. Thank God she said yes. God knows why, but she said yes. <laughs> It's a beautiful thing. I can't imagine you being nervous. That's just lovely to hear. <laughs> Congratulations. Trust me, I was. Uh, yeah, because she's one in a million, my Ashley. She really is. And thank you very much, mate. Terrific. See you, mate. Talk soon. There he is, Julian Hill, MP, who does a great job. And look, I would commend anybody. Read. Uh, I would recommend that you all read his report. Australia's global performance is assessed our nation's well-being and progress in the seven years that this mob have been in power at a federal level. It cites reputable data using global rankings and research. And from reading it, sadly, you become very aware of the fact that we seem to be no longer the lucky country. 2SM, Australia's king of talkback radio, John Laws, 9am weekdays. in the big smoke. Alex Chelios on the way and live in the studio Helen Dalton MP will talk more on water and the Murray-Darling Basin with Helen. Hey. Yeah, welcome to your Wednesday. I hope your morning's going well, rushing around, getting ready for school, getting the kids packed up in the car and maybe getting off to work. We've got the latest news on the way for you in just a moment. Marcus Paul in the morning, my telephone number 13 12 69 and emails MP in the morning at 2smsupernetwork.com where it's just right on 7.30 now. Sydney's own 2SM 12.69 And now on Marcus Paul in the morning, Alex in the Big Smoke. Here we are on a Wednesday morning, uh, 20 minutes away from 7. Alex, good morning to you. Hello, how are you? Oh, not too bad. How are things over Sydney Harbour? I know you have a gorgeous view. Is it raining? Can you give me an update on the weather, please? It's grey and I can't see anything. It's grey and you can't see anything. Well, that serves yourself right for having that billion-dollar view. (laughs) Um, What to know about the new Clubhouse social media platform? What's this all about, Alex? So have you had an invite for this? No. We don't get invites to anything. We don't get any publicity. (laughs) We We don't exist, basically. Okay. So this is a new social media platform. It's essentially um, meant to be invite-only. And the reason why it's become quite well-known is over the past week, we saw Elon Musk um, come on and do a whole session where he spoke to the um, CEO of Robinhood, which is um, the the investment app that was in the news recently over the GameStop stock. Right, okay. Um, So Clubhouse is an audio social network um, that's taken off in Silicon Valley. And a lot of people in Australia are starting to get 
uh, invites to this platform. I did download it because I was invited and I wanted to see what it was like. I found it a little bit convoluted and confusing, um, but it's audio only, so it's kind of like having a LinkedIn that just speaks to you. Okay. Next. Uh, <laughs> Parler is back online. Uh, this is how and the changes they claim to be making. What's going on with Parler now? So, you know, the Parler was shut down. Um, over the whole thing that happened with the US Capitol, with the deadly attack on yes, the Yes, that's January. right. Uh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So it was shut down, um, and they're suing Amazon for removing them. They're still not available on Google and Apple, but they have found a place called SkySilk, which is an internet service that's going to host them. They're now claiming that um, that they've changed the way that they're positioning themselves. They're no longer wanting to be seen as an alt-right or extreme right-wing um, platform. They want to be seen as neutral, which is, of course, going to be very difficult to convince the public. And they've also changed their CEO so that they can be perceived with a bit more favour. Unfortunately, they've replaced the CEO with um, one of the key members of the Tea Party, which is a very conservative um, yeah. political group in the US. So I didn't you know, agree they- with the shutdown. To be, per- I'm yeah. all for f- no. I'm all for free speech. Uh, I mean, look at the end of the day. We, for God's sake, we have sky after dark here in Australia, and if that can survive, surely Parley can. Sorry, Helen. My, arg- my argument, though, around this was less around the right to free speech and more around spreading mass misinformation that was da- damaging offline. So, yeah. um, so it's a complex one, but but yeah, they're not available still with Google and, and, and Apple yet. All right, mate. And Bill Gates, he fears the next wave of a pandemic can come from what? Terrorists. Oh, come on, Bill. I think he's been spoken too much. What's going on? Really? No, this is, this, so this is partly why there has been so much debate around COVID as to whether or not it was um, engineered in, in China. Um, so, you know, we, there's been a lot of discussions around people spreading conspiracy theories that COVID was engineered in the lab, um, which is extremely unlikely according to researchers. Yes. Um, and, the, and, you know, not, that's not the case. But the next threat of a pandemic can hang over our heads as possibly being, um, you know, engineered by individuals within a lab. It's not actually that unlikely to happen. Um, so Bill Gates did this whole thing um, earlier this week, which was unusual for him to do so because he wanted to um, have people understand the threat around bioterrorism yeah. and that someone can cause damage by engineering a virus and that we as a, as a, as a world need to be more mindful of not just naturally caused epidemics but also um, ones that are engineered. So so it could actually happen. Um, I also appreciate um, and, and am disappointed by the fact that, the, that I'm just mentioning Bill Gates will mean that most people will say, Oh well, of course he would say that because he wants to sell his vaccine. Well, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well, the world we're in right now. Well, that's true, um, and I can understand that to an extent. Even though, I, look, I, I think his heart's in the right place, but I also think he, as usual, is thinking with his wallet, Alex. But there, there you go. I mean, that's why he's one of the richest men, if not the richest in the world. I mean, I, I just think that if you're someone who's given so much to research, which True. is what he's talking Very, about, yeah, good point. I think you know it's a it's a big problem that that's the narrative out there. Yeah, you're, well, you're right. I think he's done far more good than bad. Absolutely. Um, and look, uh, who knows? Perhaps that is a way in the future uh, that terrorists may. And I hate talking about it because you know it starts to give all the nut jobs ideas and all yeah, the rest of it. But it's unfavourable to discuss. No, it's uh, yeah, you're absolutely right, Alex. Where do we go for these stories and much, 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 much more? Thebigsmoke.com.au. I love it. Talk soon. Thank you, Alex Chelios in the Big Smoke at a quarter to eight.
All right, our hashtag warriors, they continue to grow. We've got so many of them now, I've forgotten them all. But I will never forget this one. Our hashtag water warrior is Murray MP Helen Dalton. I'm happy to say Helen joins us in the studio. G'day, Helen. G'day, good morning. It's nice to see you again. Uh, this is becoming a regular. It is, it's lovely to be here. You were here uh, this time last week, is that I right? I was, I was. We've had uh, two weeks uh, in Parliament, yes. so um, that's allowed me to, to get in the studio, which is terrific. Well, there's plenty of room here, as you know. We've got some of the ugliest, but they are some of the most comfortable couches out there. No, it looks good. It looks yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's an <laughs> official lie. Come on. Uh, you're one of the only ones that hasn't uh, said anything, because I know you, you, you're far too... Um, Polite. What about the carpet here, hey? Oh well, it's it's busy. It's busy. Busy. <laughs> yes. Wow. Isn't she? Like I said, very polite. So um, how how are things, Helen? Well. Ah, uh, not too bad. Busy. Mm. <laughs> it's busy in Parliament too. Absolutely. Lots going on. Now, ICAC, the Independent Commission Against Corruption. You say that our watchdogs, and I agree with you, are turning into nothing more than lapdogs. It's because the government controls their funding. And nobody wants to bite the hand that feeds him. I think it's absolutely outrageous that the Independent Commission Against Corruption is funded by uh, the, or you know, the government that they're supposed to keep to account. So, in other words, you know, if you if you go too hard on us, we may pull back on your funding. There's a massive conflict of interest. And it, it needs to be independently funded. Of course it does. And um, last year, the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party introduced a bill into the upper house to make sure that watchdogs are independently funded and separate from the Premier and Cabinet. Yeah. Uh, and um, so as, as soon as tomorrow, we could be bringing that bill um, into the lower house. So I'll sure. be taking carriage of that. But it passed quite convincingly in the upper house. 14. That's right. So, so it's got a bit of support. That's right. So um, it's going to be interesting to see how the coalition vote on this. Mm. And, um, I mean, it's, it's a good bill, and I'm looking forward to presenting that to Parliament. Well, I think it's a brilliant bill. Mm. And um, it needs a high time it needs to be done. Unless we can have some independent um, regulation or regulators, we will always have somebody rorting the system. Well, if they're allowed to get away with it. Of course. Mm. Uh, you know, goes to stand without reason. But, I mean, imagine for a moment uh, a corruption watchdog being fully dependent on those that it's supposed to oversee for mm. its funding. It, it doesn't... I don't understand why it's been allowed to continue this mm. way for so long. Well, you even see, too, um, you know, the Liberal M- MPs reviewing the rape and... Um, and uh, charge in um, or the, what went on with federal um, in Canberra in Canberra yeah and then you've got Troy Grant who's an ex-national MP right he's a um, supposed to have oversight of water cor- corruption so right. he'll find nothing mm. and then you've got the deputy premier who wants to investigate rural health well he you know he did say the other day he was incredibly shocked at the state of health, oh, but we you went know, through that. Come yeah, on. so uh, John's gone uh, the pro, uh, the promo uh, <laughs> shock and awe response to something that he's known about for hella, you know for so long. I, I said this morning on the program, the Prime Minister of Australia damn well knew what happened in mm. Senator in Linda Edwards, uh, Linda Reynolds' office, mm. just like John Barillaro, absolutely one hundred percent knew the state of the hospitals in regional New South Wales. If he didn't, then he hasn't damn well be doing his job. That's right, and so we we do need these independent um, regulators. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, good luck with that. We look forward to and we'll follow progress and we'll catch up with you again next week and see how this went. Um, 
motor neurone disease. I can't believe that it's seven times higher in Griffith compared to the national average, and also it's disproportionately high in several other rural hotspots, including a number of areas that we're broadcasting to right now. Good morning to our listeners in Coffs Harbour, those in Port Macquarie along the mid-north coast, because you're a rural hotspot for motor neurone disease. Now, look, let's, let's be honest. If in Sydney the rate of this disease was seven times higher than the national average, something would be done about it. They only need a couple of million dollars in funding. That's right, to continue it. So there's Professor um, uh, Gil Gilliman. Yeah, I've got him here, yes, and, uh, Gil uh, he's, Gilliman. Yep. He uh, has been working on um, uh, motor neuron disease and the yeah. connection, perceived connection between that and blue-green algal blooms. Yes. And ha- I met with him last week and he said that research is beginning again. It's been halted because of lack of funds. Yep. And he's um, he, he's got a few a bob together and he can um, okay. continue, but he needs a lot more money. They mm. need The government needs to put in the $2 million to to um, finish this research. It's so very, very important. And we, in, in, in the Riverina, we've got lots of hotspots there. We've got a, yes. a, a red alert on um, Lake Wyangan. And, of course, we've got, as you said, seven times the national average um, in, Griffith. Within, in Griffith. So it's if you look up Water New South Wales, they've got a map showing where all the, the red bits are, the hotspots. Mm. So we've got outbreaks at um, Pooncarry, yeah. uh, Lachlan River. Uh, Windermere Dam, Burrinjuk Dam, and that's just a couple that I've just mentioned. There's a lot there. And so water quality is incredibly important. Absolutely. And also that connection or that um, we need to finish that research to to either rule it out or rule it in, and then Mm. we need to do something. We need to do something about water quality anyway. It's disgraceful. And this is just another reason uh, why. Mm. All right. Uh, well, good luck with that. Uh, and yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, the state government does need to step up and kick in this extra couple of million dollars so this very vitally important research can continue, and that is uh, to discover uh, to what extent there is a link between uh, blue-green algae and motor neurone disease. There's mm. obviously something out there that's causing these disproportionate rates in regional New South Wales. Politics, Helen, as you know, is a dirty game. Uh, quite often... Political parties get into the gutter and pull out every dirty trick they can. It's happening right now, I think, in New South Wales politics. Mm. Mm. Tell me about this. Uh, You apparently in the past had uh, some domain name, uh, you know, .com.au sort of domain, Mm. um, hijacked by the nationals. They're very threatened by the shooters and fishers farmers, and in particular you, uh, (laughs) And it's happened to somebody else, is that right? It, it has, yeah. Ali Kupper down at Mildura, she's right. had her um, domain name stolen, and as did I too. Um, when I first got into politics, we so realised... what happened? When you first got into politics, you wanted to set up a, uh, uh, obviously, a, a, a website, mm. um, and what was that going to be called? Oh, it was Helen, www.helendalton.com. And, and what, the Nationals? They took it, yeah, they bought it. And uh, before, you know, we sort of got ourselves together, it's sort of like taking the back paddock. You know, you own a farm God, and they've just swiped, really? the, swiped the back paddock off you. That's kind of pathetic. It is. It's um, And desperate. Cyber squatting. How's that for a Cyber word? Cyber squatting. <laughs> That's right. Never heard of that before. Yeah, no, so we made a lot of complaints to the regulator. Yeah. Uh, and 
and um, anyway, it took a couple of months <laughs> um, for us to, to gain my, my name back. Oh, so, so you got it back? I did get it Good. back. Well, uh, and Ali's hoping to do the same? I, I hope so. I'm not sure where she's up to, but I think she was quite shocked to... To hear that, um, you know, they'd, oh. they'd taken that as well. But really it's interesting that um, if they spend as much time on uh, looking after rural health and, you know, focus on, focus on improving our lives out in the bush, yeah. um, we'd be a lot better off. And so would they really because it's, it's grubby politics. Well, I've, I'll let you in on a little secret, Helen. It happens in radio as well. Oh, no. When a, uh, a new uh, radio station becomes uh, available or this, you know, it's happened before, where mm. rival radio networks have bought out domain names so mm. that certain stations couldn't set themselves up online. Wow. <laughs> so it happens. Sneaky. Well, it is. And what did you call it? Um, cyber squatting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. I've... <laughs> well. Amazing. It's, it's, yeah, the Murray MP, Helen Dalton, our hashtag water warriors taught me about cyber squatting. <laughs> I would never ever in a million years have considered it that it happened or certainly be referred to in that way. Hmm. You're even more cool and hip than I thought you were. Well, you know, it's... Hey? I'm improving. Oh, I think you're more than improving, Helen. All right, so you're back into it tomorrow. Good luck, uh, in particular, with this bill to independently fund fund uh, the Independent Commission Against Corruption because, I mean, look, what a misnomer. The Independent mm. Commission Against Corruption, how can it be independent if it's solely reliant on funding from the very government that it's supposed to keep to account? That's right. Well, we write to ICAC about a number of um, different <laughs> issues and, and uh, they respond by saying nothing to see here. And no. yet there's a lot to see. Obviously. Uh, Good so. to have you in, Helen. Thank you again, as always. No, thank you for having me. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. There she is, our hashtag water warrior, Helen Dalton. to the news in just a few moments. 13 12 69 is my open line number if you would like to have you say. Look, there's a mouse plague that's wreaking havoc across parts of the country at the moment. The mice are in record numbers from Mewa to Tamworth and up into Moree in New South Wales. I've seen video. <laughs> I've seen video of hundreds, literally hundreds, if not thousands of mice running in front of uh, cars and trucks and four-wheel drives as they make their way through uh, dusty rural roads in New South Wales. Now, the plague has also been hitting farmers in Queensland as hard, well, equally as hard. Experts suggest target baiting is the best way of minimising mouse populations. Well, from the video that I've seen, they'll need a hell of a lot of bait. And the problem is, as we know... Uh, not only are they for us city slickers. I mean, I'm you know I'm a bloke. I can squish a spider, and I've even caught a snake or two when I was on Maggie Island. But there's just something about hundreds and thousands of mice running around <laughs> at my feet that just freaks the hell out of me. <laughs> and but more importantly, they can destroy crops and cause tens of thousands of dollars worth of damage. So they need to be accounted for nice and quickly. Unscripted, genuine, and sometimes silly. Marcus Paul in the morning.
Okay. Nice to have you company on this. Well, it's wet in Sydney. What's it like at your place? 13, 12, 69. Look, I know in America there is winter chaos. Uh, they've had tornadoes and in some places snow where they've never really had snow to that uh, extent before. I'm going to talk to Di in our newsroom about that in just a moment. Uh, she's got uh, a loved one overseas who's <laughs> 10 feet under snow, not literally, but it almost looks that way. Adam's on the open line. Hello, mate. Hey, Marcus. How are you doing today? All right. Thank you, Adam. What's on your mind? Well, I just wanted to give my insight into the whole Jody McKay issue. But first, let me just say congratulations on your engagement. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. <laughs> I appreciate it. I hope you and your partner have great success in the future. We will. Uh, anyway, so do I, and we will. So the thing we'll is, is that yes. I can understand that this was an honest mistake on her part. And I will. <laughs> well, it was winding up to really uh, give me a great point of view, and then he dropped out. Adam, we lost you there. Try and uh, call back if you can, mate. Um, I don't know what happened there, mate. Okay, uh, let's go to die then. Now on Marcus Paul in the morning. The Queen Bee of the Newsroom, Diane Coveney-Garland. Uh, I didn't hang up on Adam, by the way. He's just dropped out. So, Adam, call me back, mate. Di, good morning. Hello. How are you going? Oh, look, I can't complain. It's uh, Wednesday. It's a little wet. But apart from that, it's okay. It could be worse. I mean, look, we could be <laughs> 10 feet under snow. Like, is it your sister? My sister lives in Texas in yeah. the United States. And mm-hmm. they've had a, a whack of snow in the last couple of days. So, I spoke to her on the weekend and she said, oh, look, our heating um, is is not working real well, so we've got to get it uh, fixed, and yeah. they probably won't be there for a couple of weeks. And then she said it's minus minus 22 or something ridiculous what? like that, but um, it's different because they're Fahrenheit. Okay, so um, minus 22 Fahrenheit. So, Anyway, it's very, 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 it's very cold. cold. Yeah, and then um, so it's it's been snowing where yeah. she is on the outskirts of Fort Worth, Dallas, um, and of course there was a big crash there the other day. Oh, um, not not right where she lives, but yeah, massive, massive crash. Mm. And um, they said black ice. There was black ice, and a couple yeah. of trucks came up over a hill. But yeah, so she's um, enjoying the snow. Yeah. They have a fireplace, but. Um, I don't know how helpful that would be if it's really that cold. <laughs> well, I'm sure it'd warm you up, but uh, can she get in and out of her property? I think so. It? It's pretty. It's pretty snowed. Well, they're pretty snowed, snowed in. in. But yesterday yeah. they went out on some sort of a little. Um, looked like a. Uh, like a little buggy oh, in the okay. snow. So it looks like, yeah, they're enjoying it. Uh, well, it'd be fun for a day or so, mm. and then it'd be like, oh, no, that's enough. Had and enough then it gets now. to, it turns to slush, apparently. So it's oh, great yeah, to yeah, start yeah. with, and then after that, it's just gross. Well, and very dangerous, so too, as we've mm, heard by course, that accent yeah. the other day. Uh, have a listen to this. A woman has returned to reading almost seven times the legal limit after being arrested in Padstow overnight. Uh, witnesses were called after a sedan was seen swerving across traffic lanes on busy Henry Lawson Drive just before seven o'clock. Now, after the car hit a gutter, a tow truck operator moved his truck to prevent the driver from leaving the scene and police were called. Now, she, have a listen to <laughs> what she blew on the bag. Zero... Point three four two. Oh my goodness! I mean, it's shocking. How's, how she's not dead first and foremost from alcohol poisoning is is anyone's. 
um, anyone's guess, but she's from Padstow Heights. She's been charged with high-range PCA and she'll appear in Bankstown Local Court on April the 1st. That's not a joke. Importantly, her licence was <laughs> suspended and ripped That's up on good. the spot. Do you know what surprises me when we hear, we have stories like that is yeah. uh, how can they get behind a wheel of a car? Because you, you can't imagine that with that level of alcohol in their system, they mm. could even put one foot in front of the other to take a few steps, let alone get in a car and drive. I don't know. Just I, I so mean, dangerous. Amazing. Seven times over the legal limit, thank goodness, and well done to police, and also for that tow truck driver mm. on making sure that she couldn't get anywhere. Uh, because exactly. She, she could have killed somebody. Yep. Dizzy, thank you. We'll thank hear you, you. Uh, after nine o'clock on the John Laws Morning Show. All right, let's go to the open line for your calls. I think we've got Adam back. Uh, you there, mate? Hey, Marcus. So sorry for the phone right. cut off. No I'll just, I just want to say, um, before I begin, congratulations to you and your fiance. Oh, I got that, and that's very kind of you. Thank you. Yeah, so, I look, look forward to all that in the future. Anyway, in regards to Jodie McKay, yes. I believe that what happened mm-hmm. was a bit of an honest mistake. Like, I don't think she was trying to write a letter of support. It was just, please read the attached documentation and make up your minds from there. Well, basically, that's all it was. And MPs right around this country, no matter what jurisdiction, that is their job. Now, yeah. in hindsight... Uh, maybe there could have been a bit more due diligence done on the part of, of Jody and perhaps her staffers. I mean, they deal with literally hundreds and hundreds of, of correspondence letters each and every day. That's all a part and parcel of being a member of parliament. But uh, for, for some to turn around and basically link her with a pedophile, which is what, you know, and linking and saying and even suggesting that somebody with the integrity of Jody McKay would be supporting a known pedophile of which she didn't know anyway. I mean, that's beyond the pale, and I don't accept it. Not for a moment. This is a woman who herself went to the Independent Commission Against Corruption and blew the whistle on her own party. It cost her a career at the time. But more importantly, it led to a number of people, now as we know, lingering in jails. So, look, for people to call uh, Jody McKay's integrity into question, I think they need to have a good hard look at themselves first and foremost. Well, two families in southwest Sydney's Greek community have been left shocked after the bodies of two elderly men were accidentally swapped by a local funeral home. The discovery was made following the funeral of Angelus Nikopoulos at Saints Euphemia Greek Orthodox Church in Bankstown. Uh, the Greek Herald first. There's a Greek Herald. Wow. Anyway, it first reported the story late last week. Uh, <laughs> it's a bit of a concern, really. Um, this bloke's wife of 57 years, Despina, told Seven News yesterday the discovery was made when her daughter asked to take a final look at her father's body in the casket following the service. However, when the coffin, coffin was lifted, the man inside was not who they thought it would be, their loved one. My daughter says, Mum, it's not my father, this one, it's another man. Look, both families had used Euro funeral services at Roselands. It emerged Mr Nikopoulos's body had been mistakenly buried at Rookwood Cemetery following a funeral service at All Saints Greek Orthodox Church in Belmore earlier on Friday. So this bloke had already been laid to rest at another cemetery. Dear O'Dor. 
The Greek Herald report reported mourners of the other man were not aware of the mix-up until his body was exhumed from the ground at Rookwood on Friday afternoon. I mean, how heartbreaking for families that are already grieving. Both men were returned to their correct families and laid to rest in small ceremonies with their families later that day. Look, the Euro Funeral Services Director has told media this morning that he had apologised to both families and offered them both a full refund and regretted their process of healing is going to be a little bit longer than it would be normally. The funeral director, Spiro Haram, uh, Haralambus, uh, basically said the uh, casket had entered the church, but the error had only been picked up when the daughter approached to have a final look. Look, it's awful. But well done to the funeral service, Euro Funeral Services at Roselands, for basically saying, look, yeah, put our hand up, we mucked it up, we are very sorry. Uh, They have refunded both the families involved, as they should have, so I think life can go, oh, that's a poor choice of words, Marcus. But you know what I mean. Sometimes mistakes happen, and thank goodness, in a way that this... uh, This woman wanted to have a final look before her father was laid to rest, and that's when the mistake was realised. But the exhuming of the other body, etc., I mean, it's all just awful for the families. Just awful. 131269. Tony, are you there, mate? Yeah, g'day. uh, Congratulations again. But you'll be right, mate. The first 50 years of marriage are the hardest. Just remember that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. Oh, God. Um, Thank you. Yeah, only, only three weeks for the NRL to start now. Three weeks tomorrow, Can't I Can't wait. Uh, Can't wait, mate. Yeah. Yeah, I, I rang up about that, um, not making light of it, but um, fun of it or anything, but that funeral thing, they, mm. apparently I did hear them being interviewed, so they've, unfortunately in life there's mistakes, and they said they'd uh, had 5,000 funerals before, so, you know. Well, the other thing too, and I'm not uh, defending uh, the the funeral home, but you're right, they, they're very busy at the moment because of COVID. A lot of people have waited until restrictions lifted so that they could farewell their yeah. loved ones in, in larger numbers. So, I give, I give him that. He did take full responsibility. He didn't mm. try to get out of it. So, uh, but, um, had, had he not lifted up, up the lid because of the identical coffins, um, not lifted up the lid and uh, paid the last respects, then no, no one would have ever known. No, and that's the uh, the awful part about it. But thank goodness somebody did, and I would imagine yeah. that, and you would hope that this kind of mistake doesn't happen regularly. Uh, I've got a note here, Marcus. What would have happened had of the first man they mixed up being cremated? Well, that is a really good point, isn't it? I mean, then they wouldn't have a, have they wouldn't have had anything to exhume. As bad as it sounds, I mean, thank goodness that the mix-up didn't involve cremation. If it had, well, then perhaps the story uh, would have been far worse than what it already is. All right, uh, nineteen minutes after eight. After eight thirty, we'll go to Canberra. Uh, Christina in the capital. If you're after a comfy new lounge that's made and delivered in three to four weeks. Well, that's exactly what you'll get from one of our new clients, our new sponsors of Marcus Paul in the Morning, Chili Pip Lounge Designs. They are Sydney's favourite 
Lounge Manufacturer. You can sit back and unwind and relax in your new Chili Pip Lounge, which is custom-made to suit your needs and reflect your lifestyle. At Chili Pip Lounge Designs, you can choose from a wide selection of styles available in fabric or leather, and anything, absolutely anything, is possible. Your Chili Pip Lounge is made for you the way you want it, brand spanking new. Whether you're watching a movie, having a laugh with friends, or perhaps snuggling with that someone special, you will love spending time in your Chili Pip Lounge. Now, if you mentioned you heard it here, or you heard about it here on Marcus Paul in the morning, you'll receive free fabric protection with your order valued at $300. How good's that? So home is where your Chili Pip Lounge is. Go to chilipip, that's C-H-I-L-L-I-P-I-P dot com dot A-U. That's C-H-I-L-L-I-P-I-P dot com dot A-U. Or telephone 1300-797516. That's 1300-797516. When you check them out online, you can read a whole stack of wonderful endorsements and some very good testimonials from happy customers. Okay, and... Please support the businesses that support us here at Marcus Paul in the morning. In 2021, 2SM has Sydney talking. Less ads means more of your views. Marcus Paul in the morning. A couple of weeks ago, uh, we had the Prime Minister of this country congratulate the Australian of the Year. She was a rape victim. So now, we're led to believe that Scott Morrison knew absolutely nothing about the alleged incident in one of his most senior minister's offices. What's more, it took his wife to explain to him that something's wrong here, Scott. I mean, it's disgraceful, really. The I spoke to Jen about this routine is enough to make you want to throw up. At the very, very least... Minister Linda Reynolds must go and be followed very quickly by the senior public servant who botched the whole investigation from the beginning. Imagine ordering steam clean of what could be a potential crime scene. And as if that wasn't bad enough, imagine then ordering a rape victim back into the same room it had allegedly occurred in. Then imagine the minister involved apparently not telling her boss the Prime Minister, that one of her junior staffers says she was sexually assaulted in Parliament House on a couch, her couch, no less, in her office. And finally, while we're still living in the land of make-believe, imagine only finding out about it in the last 24 hours, as the Prime Minister claims. Well, I'm sorry, Scott Morrison, I don't buy it for a moment. Oh, by the way, imagine also Michaelia Cash effectively telling a young woman to Suck it up if she wanted to leave a job, uh, keep a job. It's not maybe hard to imagine any of this at all, not with this mob in charge. I was ashamed yesterday to be an Australian, I really, really was. Marcus Paul has Sydney talking. All the news and the views. Stay right here, don't go anywhere. Two SM has Sydney talking. Oh my goodness, John Laws, we're the survivors. Two SM has Sydney talking. Want more news 
and genuine talk on the radio? Then stick with us. Marcus Paul in the morning. There's been a total, in my opinion, a total breakdown of what should occur after a young woman has been allegedly sexually assaulted. She's an incredibly brave young woman, Marcus, and Brittany Higgins' uh, story is a is a, a really shocking one and, and speaks to the importance of having safe workplaces everywhere. Marcus Paul in the morning. New South Wales opposition leader Jody McKay joins us exclusively on the program this morning. Apparently what has happened is that uh, on the tribunal website there's been a, a letter which accompanied uh, a number of documents from churches that was never addressed to the tribunal that has been characterised as letter support. The letter itself is not attached so all it says is Jodie McKay letter of support. It is categorically not that. So I'm just so angry that the government uh, would seek to do this. This is what they do. It's dirt flinging and and mud raking. Get up. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right. uh, Look, there's been a little bit of uh, 21 to 9. There's been a little bit of concern about Lee Sales. Uh, she's a very, very good journalist, in my opinion. We know she hosts the 7.30 report. Uh, but a lot of people think that she's maybe going a little too hard, uh, leaning perhaps more to the right, if I can use that term, uh, going too hard on Dan Andrews. Uh, she tweeted just the other day, a few people on here noticed, this is on Twitter, a few people on here noticed that I was a Dan Andrews presser. For your information, I'm only in Melbourne because I came for a friend's birthday and got caught in lockdown. I didn't come here just for a Dan Andrews presser. 7.30 had an interview bid in for today, but he said no. Attending the presser was the next best option. And then Sarah Sally, improbably one of the best comebacks, says, Lee, thanks for that. Just out of interest. Did you go to any press conferences that Gladys held regarding the Northern Beaches lockdown? Uh, Yes. See, that's what I think I need to do. Uh, The Premier refuses to come on this program, so maybe I need to start rocking up to a press conferences. Sorry? Oh, uh, they're invite only. Well, damn well get us an invite there, Scruff. (laughs) What's your name? Marcus Paul in the morning. Now on Marcus Paul in the morning. The latest from the capital with Christina Rosengren. All right, at 19 tonight. Morning, Christina. Good morning, Marcus. All right, it's been revealed a secret parliamentary inquiry has been investigating Brittany Higgins's allegation of rape for months, Christina. Yes, as we know, this allegation by former Liberal staffer Brittany Higgins that she was raped by a senior colleague at Parliament House in 2019, that was made public earlier this week when Ms Higgins took part in interviews. But News Corp is now reporting that a parliamentary inquiry has actually been secretly investigating this matter for months. So some coalition and Labor senators have been taking part in this inquiry and they've been privy to 17 confidential submissions from former and current staff members. Now, some of that evidence covers items we've already heard, such as the the one where the office where the alleged rape occurred was steam cleaned not long after Ms Higgins was found. The inquiry has also heard that the incident report filed by parliamentary guards who found Ms Higgins after the alleged assault were changed to remove details and to soften graphic language about the state that she was discovered in. I just want to stop you there, because surely if a parliamentary inquiry had been investigating Brittany Higgins' allegations of rape for months, surely 
The Prime Minister of this country must have bloody well known about it before he said he did. He said very clearly yesterday to the assembled media uh, that he only found out about the Brittany Higgins allegations of rape in Minister Reynolds' office 48 hours ago. Now, if there's been a so-called parliamentary inquiry into this incident ongoing for months, surely something as important as that would have passed over the Prime Minister's desk. He must have known about it. Uh, look, this is just my comment, Christina, but he must have known about it. It's, it's just almost unbelievable that this bloke says yesterday to the Australian people, hand on heart, and I spoke to Jen, and I'm very sorry, I get all of that, but he must have known. Yes, certainly, and that's what a lot of people are raising at the moment, not to mention that there was a senior advisor to the Prime Minister who was very much involved in this incident and had spoken to Brittany Higgins. And so, I mean, the connections leading back to Scott Morrison does certainly suggest or, you know, cast a lot of doubt over his claims. All right. Labor has vowed to continue fighting the government's industrial relations bill, Christina. Yes. So yesterday the government announced it would no longer be pursuing a measure it had originally included in its industrial relations omnibus bill, which would give employers struggling due to the pandemic the ability to enact pay deals which don't pass the Fair Work Act's better off overall test. That was going to be a two-year exemption to the boot test, uh, which meant that businesses could strike pay deals, which could let them reduce workers' paying conditions, so leaving them worse off. But there was obviously a lot of opposition to this from Labor and and unions and cross-centres. So the government decided yesterday it won't be including that measure in its legislation, and that's sort of in a bid to secure the bill's passage through Parliament or to allay those concerns that Mm. cross-centres and Labor and unions had. Labor has signalled, however, that it's not going to support the government's IR bill, even without this exemption. And as you can imagine, the government isn't too happy about this. The Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, called it negative politics, as we know, Labor has its own industrial relations policies and it's going to be fighting for its own proposals and that's certainly going to be a major point of debate ahead of the next election. So it's not surprising they've declined to support the government's bill. All right, and the National Audit Office, Christina, has announced an investigation into Australia's border policies. Yes, this was announced yesterday. The Auditor-General actually quietly activated this inquiry mid-last month and it's now calling for submissions on the on the management of Australia's border, and that includes the ban on outbound, outbound overseas travel and also the international arrivals caps, uh, which, as we know, has left more than 30,000 Australians stuck overseas. So the audit, audit Office is targeting six federal departments which have oversight of the border in its review. They include uh, agriculture, foreign affairs and trade, health, home affairs, infrastructure and transport, and finally the Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet, And because there are so many departments involved, it suggests the Auditor-General is going to be conducting quite a broad inquiry, which will look at several areas of this policy. And as we know, the arrival caps in particular have been quite controversial. The Audit Office has confirmed one of the things we'll be looking at is whether Australians stranded overseas have been granted adequate support from the government. Yep. All right. Thank you, Christina. We look forward to hearing all of your reports from the nation's capital today over the network. Appreciate it.